Today on Between the Lines, launching your entrepreneurial passion and soul with Brian Smith. Welcome, I'm Barry Kibrick. Brian is the founder of the world-renowned Ugg Boots. His journey and struggles to build the business will provide wisdom and insight for all. With his book, The Birth of a Brand, he shows how with authenticity and perseverance, you can grow a business and build within yourself an enlightened way to live. I'm a writer today because I was a reader when I was 11 years old. And it was you do, need to, need, you do not need to prove your state of happiness to anybody. Most of these speeches were as much as a month in preparation. The characters, the heroes in this book are seekers of truth in, in a story that, that involved a lot of corruption. You don't get a chance to really talk about what's real. And that is the first Brian, welcome to Between hey, the Lines. It is a to pleasure here. to have you here. It's fantastic. Thanks for having me. Now, you know, I, I started this book and I said at first it, it, it was a, a sort of a, a book like it says on the title for entrepreneurs to think. And I always I feel entrepreneurial spirit and right. I was looking into that. But I realized this is much more. It's first of all, believe it or not, I found it to be a thriller. Even though I knew how it supposedly ended, you can't possibly find out until the very end what really happens because it took so many years for you to build this brand. Now the world knows. As Ugg. I know. Every, all my friends tell me it's a page turner, which is the great, greatest compliment I could have, you know. Oh, it really is. Yeah. And I, I, what starts, though, is this voice in your head. You've got this inner feeling, and I know I have had it, and I know so many men and women that had it. You just have this feeling something's not right. You're not living what you're meant to be doing. You're not fulfilling whatever the mission is that you've been put on this planet for. And that voice comes to you and basically starts you on the road. It really does. I can remember wondering what I was going to do with my life. And I, I just discovered yoga and I was in my, one of my very early meditations, you know. And I was really disconcerted. I was an accountant and hated it. I'd already quit from being a, an accountant. And I, in that meditation, it just came to me that, you know, all, all of the coolest trends are coming out of California. And I got goosebumps. And that's usually, I didn't know it for years, but now it's happened so often, I'm just totally convinced it's my inner spirit telling me in a physical way that, hey, you're on the right track, you know? Wow. And you were on the right track. Yeah. And, and for an entrepreneur, and this has been my belief and I've been preaching it. I told you there are certain things. Right. We had so much similarities. I was sharing right. it with my family. And that is that you need a certain degree of ignorance to start. Because if you strategically, literally would figure out in your mind all the time, all the effort, all the disappointments, you'd never do something no, like this. Nobody would ever start. Yeah. I, w I was totally ignorant, you know, when, when I found the Ugg boot, the sheepskin boot product, you know, it wasn't in America. And I assumed that, you know, Americans would understand sheepskin like Australians do, that it's, you know, you can't sweat, it's healthy, it's washable, you can treat it badly. But when I came here, it was hot, prickly, um, can't get it wet, you know, and it, it delicate. And, and that, just the difference in mentality set me back for years. And had I known that the Americans didn't get that, I probably wouldn't have started the sheepskin boot business. Now, you know, the book is also for parents. And I say this reason because yeah. 
you look at this as the birth of a brand, as the birth of a child. It's and you begin so much the same. Yes. Isn't it? And you begin even with conception. Yep. So that's kind of funny. And and as you say, you can't this is and you say it over enough that I I I've put it to memory. You cannot give birth to adults. Yes. It takes the pain and the time to let it mature. It's so true. I didn't come up with that originally, but after five or six years of being in the business, I just thought how much like a child this is. And I created a file and I wrote, you can't give birth to adults. And I just kept throwing things. That'd be good in a story one day. That'd be good in a story one day. And it became a file so thick. And uh, the theme of you can't give birth to adults is every business or movement or you know uh, product is conceived by somebody and then the action is given birth my action was was buying pairs of samples from australia and then every time you get to that phase it goes into this infancy that just seems to be interminably long and it doesn't matter how much you feed it or shake the cradle or urge it the infant cannot get up and go to college it has to be an infant and eventually it'll start toddling, which is a really cool stage for a business because customers are starting to inquire about it and you're getting articles written about it. And then you'll hit the youth, which is a fantastic period. You know, the sales are consistent. This is when with a kid, you know, they can come to the table already dressed and they can feed themselves and go to the bathroom, put their pajamas on. And that's a fantastic stage of business. And then it'll hit the teenage, if it's a really good product like UGG was, It'll hit the teenage years and all the best. It wants to be at every party in the country. You know? yeah, but also that sometimes causes the problems uh, of teenage yeah, youth. And you, I, in fact, say that. It, it, yeah. In fact, it's those forks in the road that yeah. you kept coming into and those speed bumps that yep. you kept hitting yep. that really leads to the growth. People think once you're on this trajectory, but they, they don't even realize that you... I believe, didn't even take a salary of any kind because there wasn't for about 14, 15 years. Yeah, it's probably closer to 10 years. But to your point, no business starts at the bottom and goes straight to the top. You know, it, it cruises along and you hit an obstacle and then you have to overcome the obstacle. So you'll hit another obstacle and you have to overcome that. So it's like a series of plateaus. And each time you overcome the obstacle, it, your business is getting better. And if, you're, if your competitors aren't overcoming them, you suddenly become the leader in the industry. And so it's a matter of hanging in there and just facing the obstacles. And I have another great saying, which is that the quickest way for a tadpole to become a frog is to live every day happily as a tadpole. And if you're doing that, hitting the obstacles and just enjoying the process, that's the best way to look at your business. Well, if you don't enjoy that journey or that yep. process, you'd quit. That's what, that's what makes an entrepreneur capable of doing it. It's not the willingness so much to just grind it out. Yep. It's the enthusiasm yeah. to do it. Yeah, a lot of people call it passion. A lot of people just call it that, that, you know, that wild-haired idea. But yes, you have to have that internal belief in yourself that it's going to be there. And that belief in yourself, you say, is so important because how you behave yourself is how you're going to behave in business. And you really Absolutely. believe firmly that you must stay true to your own values, virtues, and ethics. Yes, yes. It's, uh, there are a lot of temptations along the way to shortcut something or to you know, sidetrack something. But 
you really have to you know be true to yourself and, and know that what you're doing is is the right thing done the right way you, it, if you do the right thing the wrong way it'll come back to haunt you oh i i had an experience like you had by the way where the price margin wasn't correct. And if you sold, and I'll never forget the, the salesman saying, we'll make it up in volume. And I said, wait a minute, the more we sell, the more we're losing. Uh, yeah. That's one of the funniest things yeah. when that happens is your business is growing. You didn't figure out all how the cost. Yes. And all of a sudden, you've got another roadblock. You've got to you figure yeah. out how to get over. I had a mentor who called that profitless prosperity, <laughs> meaning you can grow and grow and grow and still not make any money. And it just makes your life twice as hard, you know. Now, you have a, a, a great thought on procrastination because there's no doubt that, and I think this usually starts before you actually really get the ball rolling. Once the ball's rolling, you know there's no time for procrastination. Yeah. But beforehand, as you said, those delayed tasks that you kept putting off ends up in the filing cabinet of oh, your mind, yeah. and you can't, it, it's as if it's just easier to do it than to not do it. Yep. I'm still a victim of that today. You know, I'll go because now it's emails and, and I'll say, must reply to that, I'll flag it, must re or must do that and flag it. And before you know it, a week's gone by and suddenly my mind is so confused and, 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 and upset because I know, I don't even remember what all these were, but they're stored there. And so the clutter has to be, you know, the only way to get rid of or not make the clutter in the first place is to action everything as you can. So procrastination is something I still struggle. And I don't struggle. I, I know all about it now. <laughs> I just have to keep putting it into action to, to actually get the tasks done as they happen. And, and you know something, uh, as a former, and I say former because I, I really, really did take that to heart. And I really can't, I can't even procrastinate anymore. In fact, I have to sometimes slow down. I know that sounds yes. funny. But once you get that procrastination out of your body, yep. you then almost move a little fast. In fact, oh. sometimes my son has to say, Dad, slow down oh, without, for a second. Without a doubt. Once you can clear the clutter, because the clutter isn't in the phone, the clutter's up here. You, you subconsciously remember all these things that aren't done. Once you clear that clutter, yeah, you can, you can really move much, much faster. Now, yeah. the one thing that in every business, whether it's from show business to being a lawyer to being an entrepreneur and a brand, you're always worried about the competition. And you give us an advice that says, do not obsess over the competition because if you're the true creative entrepreneur or the true creative, whether it's a lawyer or teacher, whatever it might be, then everyone else is just imitating you. Yep. You're the one with the vision. Yep. You've got to relax about that. And I found that, though, one of the hard... Now, that's the harder thing for me to do was, wait, why is that guy? He's two years younger than me and he's already, up, yep. he's already here or they've been only in business for three months and why are they making more money yep. than me? Yep. I developed the mantra and I made everybody in the company realize this, that the way to lead is to get out front first and then run faster. And how we put that into action is that we would put a new style and color you know, palette together for a trade show. And then all the other competitors would see what we'd done. And then the next show, they'd come in and have exactly the same line. And if we hadn't thought of new product, new styles and new offerings, we would just be one of the, the, the mob. But they never had the creativity to create what I was doing each year and keeping the head, you know, keeping the leadership of that category alive. 
And it's, it's all about being out front and, and running faster. And you know what else it is too? It is the fact that your product is better. And I, I remember just watching a show, I think it was either 60 Minutes or something, and they were talking about all these knockoffs that were yes. going on. Yes. And, and when they actually looked at the sales of everyone from Louis Vuitton to Gucci, yeah. they realized it wasn't hurting their sales because people who wanted the quality or the ones that could afford the quality, they were going to buy the quality. Yeah. And if anything, it just helped spread the word that this is a great product. Without a doubt. And and that was the other part of the business is that we had to stay. If we were going to stay out front and run faster, we had to have the best quality product. And a lot of the product quality you don't see when you look at a boot versus a knockoff boot because they look the same. Yeah. But the, the heel counters, the structure inside, the stitching methodology, the braids, the, the, even the materials and the trims was always, always the very highest quality. And that's why UGG and the brand UGG has just dominated for all of these years because there's nothing better out there. You have a line, I want to read it exactly because I think it's important. Okay. Remember to service the mice and respect them as you do the elephants. And this is basically your philosophy where it's important to treat all of your uh, clients as if they're, as you said, as if they're important and therefore all of your clients will be yeah. important. Yeah. That, that quote came from the buyer at one of the big department stores when I was, I'd made my best ever sales presentation and he just looked at me and said, why are you here? And I, and <laughs> oh, I said, because I want to get an order for the, you know, the mall stores. And he goes, Brian, don't you get it? We are the elephants. We don't move till the mice are running around under our feet. And I instantly got what he meant. Until I got all the specialty stores just jumping, the big mall stores weren't going to take the risk. And so that did morph into the fact that I serviced my customers so well to, to the point where I'd walk into a store and I, I, I was going to visit friends. I wasn't going in to sell. I was going in to see how I could help them work their inventory or, or any problem whatsoever. My clients became my friends. And there were years when I was going through tough times that they saved me over and over again. Oh, now, we talked a bit about, you know, having a little ignorance when you're an entrepreneur. Yes. And, and in the nice way of saying it, you call it blind optimism. Right. But at, as the business then begins to grow, you realize that that blind optimism is great for starting yes. a business, but it could get you in trouble once a business starts growing. Sure can. There, there was one year in particular where my partner, my financial partner had died and the supplier in Australia uh, was very non-committal about sending product for the coming season because he didn't know if I'd be able to pull the company together and, and pay him. And uh, I kept taking orders and it, the sales out were booming. The sales reps were having a record year. The internal ordering was great. And it got close to delivery time in August, September. And I, I was still taking orders and going to the trade shows but had no idea how to ship product and it turned out that season that my supplier went with a different distributor in America and I was at the very last second was able to scramble and uh, get some other uh, supplies in but it was during that period that that I, you know, I realized where that loyalty came in because my customers stuck with me and uh, I did eventually get product didn't ship nearly enough as we wanted but but uh, we stayed alive and and 
Well, you know, I think it has to do also with another part of your philosophy where you, you almost at that point felt you were a victim because you didn't really have the, the answer right away. But you, you, again, that inner voice told you, listen, I'm going to embrace these uncertainties, these challenges, and I'm, I'm going to still just move forward. Yeah. And that's what you, you've got to do. You have to, yeah. I, I wrote down like 25 years ago a mantra uh, that I've carried forward in my daily planner every year, and it's feast upon uncertainty, fatten upon disappointment, enthuse over apparent defeat, and invigorate in the presence of difficulties. And those four states... No, one more time. I think I'm going to actually put them down as you say them. <laughs> one more time, Brian. Come on, it's too good. Feast upon uncertainty, fatten upon disappointment, enthuse over apparent defeat and invigorate in the presence of difficulties. And that takes the victimization out of, out of the equation. It's, you can never say, poor me. Each one of those is an action item. And now I look at things that have happened, you know, you know potential disasters, and I go, bring it on, I've been seen worse, you know. And my whole attitude has changed in, in everything I do now because of those four statements. And it's a very, very empowering piece of information. Now, before those four statements, though, came into reality, there's a scene in the book. And as I say, a scene, because it does read like a thriller sometimes. And you're basically crawling on the floor to your bedroom of depression, out of anxiety, out of stress. And your wife, Laura, comes to the rescue. She says, you know, straighten up, walk like a man. You're not giving in right now. I'm not allowing it. And I had the exact, I told you we shared yes, some, I had yes. the exact same experience That's with amazing. my wife and I was ready to give up, yep. just stop this show. I wasn't yep. making money. I didn't want to do it anymore. Yep. She was the one that refused to let me do Is, that. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. 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 That was a period where I had to buy new investors in and the contract I signed, I, I thought I was bringing in three new partners, but there was a proviso. I didn't get my 25% till I finished this little trademark lawsuit. And when that was pointed out to me that I wasn't an owner anymore, I just went into this shock and depression. And it took two or three days of figuring out what I wanted to do. And, and it was that night where I was watching TV and I crawled, started crawling to bed. You know, she just, just flipped and said, get up now and walk to bed like a man, you know. And it was like, you know, Atlas shrugged with the world on his back. It was like the whole world just fell apart. And it was like, there's so much more to life than the UG business. And I felt light and I slept the best night I had for, for, for so long that night. And it just came from some innocence. It wasn't, it was powerful, but innocent, you know, that statement. I love the concept of having to reinvent yourself when things get tough. And you've had to, in, in certain ways, reinvent yourself throughout the process, whether it was becoming a salesman at one time, yep. which is when you started, yep. to then becoming someone who manages the team, even taking on outside jobs sometimes to keep the, the thing afloat. So reinvention is important for anyone that is going through a difficult time. It totally is. And if you have the passion and your eyes set on the goal of what you're trying to do, you will do anything to keep that going forward. When I was starting out, I worked on a golf course. I worked at Marina Del Rey washing boats. I was a construction worker. This is the first three or four years of the business. And because it was just a three or four months selling season in, in the winter. And as it got bigger and bigger, I had to... 
especially as it got up into the you know, 5, 10, 15 million range, when we had boards of directors and we had you know, management, I, I was a great entrepreneur, but I found I didn't function well in, in committees where you have to dumb down the, the decisions to the common denominator. And it was very frustrating. I had to invent, reinvent myself from being the doer to being the administrator, to being the director, to letting other people go with their things. And that was the biggest jump. It was like pulling fingernails for me to get take all these tasks away, but I knew I had to do it. Just if the thing was gonna grow, I had to get out of the way and let them take it on. You know? Well, you know, and the way I think you were able to do it with some peace of mind is you always believed in honest communication. Yeah. And I, when you read it, you see yourself sharing yourself with your company and saying, listen, I'm going to still do the best, even though yeah. I may not be the owner of it even anymore, even yeah. if I'm getting a nice piece of change yeah. from it. But, you yeah. know, you have to be able to communicate that with your people. You really do. That there was a period where I mentioned that I lost control of it and I wondered, what am I going to do? And I decided, look, I lo I've come to love sales and I'm going to argue is the best product in the world. I wanted to put them on everybody's feet. And so I was on the road as a salesman uh, and came back a month later and there was a check for $5,000. And you know, my partner said, that's your commissions for the month. And it was the first money I'd ever pulled out. Of, this is like in eight years, the first money I'd ever pulled out of the company. And I went out back on the road, came back the next month with a check for $10,000. And the following month, another $10,000. And I realized that I've lost the business but I'm doing what I love. I'm making money for the first time in the last 10 years. And it made me realize that sometimes your most disappointing disappointments become your greatest blessings. And when I reflected on where I was at, I went, well, that losing the company, wow, that was a horrible, horrible thing. But look where I am now. You know, it's, I'm just blessed. Uh, I, people are going to want to find out more about you and your, your new venture, which I'm going to talk about. I want to give okay. out your website, if that's all okay, right. Okay, that's great. It's www.dot, and we'll leave it on the screen here, uh, briansmithspeaker.com. So it's www, your name, and then the word speaker.com. And the thing I wanted to bring up was in our conversation, you talked about this new venture you're on called the Boom a preneur, a sort of a, a, a baby boomers who are now getting into business for the first time. And yeah. I thought, man, I know, I know people doing that. It's not uncommon, especially with the workforce being so difficult to break through. People are saying, listen, I'll start my own little business yeah. and see what can happen. Statistically, there are 100 million of us between 50 and 70. And statistically, again, about one third of those expect to start another business. And some have to because they've been let go and they're not employable, so they're going to find some way to make money. The others have retired well, and uh, they uh, would love to get to do the business that they, like a, a mum may have given up because she had to raise the family, but now they're gone, and, and they've got money, intelligence, energy, smarts, uh, you know, everything you need for an entrepreneur, and they're ready to go. And so I've quite, you know, I'm, I'm almost finished a book called The Boomerpreneur Revolution. And the boomer is like a big wave. In Australia, we call it a boomer, a, a huge you know, closeout wave. And so this wave of, of, of entrepreneurs is coming through in, in a way that's never been done before. And so what I like to do now is help 
entrepreneurs start businesses or are those who have started help them build through this infancy and, and toddling stage. And so I'm, I'm working on a, a series of edu tours where we bring people who uh, want to have fun and travel but also want to build a legacy for themselves. So through travel, you pick up on ideas that, that you don't see when you're back home. And that could be the spark of helping, you know, build a, a charity that will help so-and-so. So, so I want to put together a, a really worthwhile give back because that's where the real pleasure is in your life. And if you're going to die, you may as well go out with a really good, you know, knowledge that you've helped a lot of people. Well, you know something, you've obviously helped a ton of people. And that's very funny because you say that, in fact, your disappointments, the ones that were the hardest to bear, were those which never even um, Isn't that so true? Isn't it? That's right. So you're, you're dealing with it in your head. All the time. But it's not real. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so much of the worry and fear in the world never comes true. Well, what is true is our time is up, Brian. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to end with these words. Disasters do not make you go backward unless you fail to overcome them or give trying. Thank you, Brian, for n- never giving up and for sharing that enthusiasm with us. Great. It's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you guys for joining us. Now, before Brian leaves, I'd like to leave you with these few more words from the birth of a brand. Each and every one of us should work to be successful and happy. But having given it our best shot, we must sit back and enjoy both what we have and what we've created no matter how it turns out. I'm Barry Kibrick. No matter how it turns out, the only real difference between success and failure is whether you can enjoy the best shot you gave it. Do so, and it will always end up turning out all right. Thank you, Brian. Great, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe or become a patron of the show at barrykibrick.com to keep it going every week. Thank you.